welcome to Speak It On. This program is designed for the edification and entertainment of the listeners and not designed to be representative of a church, nonprofit organization, or denomination. Opinions expressed are solely those of the host. Hey, hey, welcome back, and as always, thanks for listening. So, in Bible Study Group, I was asked a question. And uh, went to lunch with a good friend who's in Bible who's in Bible school right now, getting a bachelor's degree in Christian uh, Christian leadership, and he had a similar situation where he was asking. And his question had to do with translations, okay? And English translations specifically, and having to do with John three sixteen. Now. John 3.16, of, of course, in the KJV, which is what I've learned it in, to be very honest. And that was not too many years ago when Moses was here riding dinosaurs. No, I'm kidding, but here's the thing. Uh, John 3.16, super important, very, very, very noticeable verse. Just used and said a lot. It says... For God so loved the world he, that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have e- everlasting life. Sometimes you'll see eternal, but it's everlasting life in the KJV. Now, the question really has to focus on the word begotten. All right, the word begotten, because some translations don't use that particular word. And there are many people that use that as a litmus test for, hey, if it doesn't use begotten, it's a bad translation. All right. And what I'm going to say is, um, first of all, number one, let me just kind of look at a few things, okay? And this is stuff to consider, alright? It's stuff to consider. This isn't like an edict. This is like, think about these things when you're looking at the translation. And the first thing is is that um, there was a, there's a book called So Many Bibles, I think. Or So Many Translations. Something of that nature. Where they outline the English translation kind of up to that point. In a lot of Bibles, uh, study Bibles specifically, information Bibles like Thompson Chain and so forth, will have a section in there that will show you the English, you know, the evolution of the English Bible. And mainly, the reason new Bibles came out was because of the old Bibles weren't cutting it either through through they they weren't inclusive enough. They maybe just New Testament, maybe you know, um, um, maybe uh, not known because back in the day, you know, a lot of uh, you know there wasn't like advertising like there is now. You can't go on social media and just poof, tell the whole planet. So, um, but. Ideally, what the translations were supposed to do is improve upon what was what was, you know, to be what was in the past because it was not filling sort of a bill. A lot of times, what they're looking at 
is also the language. Language changes. Uh, I've mentioned this, KJV uses the word conversation. Um, in the KJV days, for Elizabeth in English, that meant your conversation was your lifestyle. It was not what you were talking about. Now it means what you, you know, you're talking with somebody. But back then it meant your, the way you were living. And that's just one of things, one of, you know, a lot of, uh, a lot of differences. And, by the way, I love KJV, please don't go crazy on me. I'm just saying, um, the issue is, uh, you know, because, because the KJV proponents will, will just say, that doesn't mean anything, that, that's nothing, you can look them up, and like, yes, you're right, okay, 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 I get it. Yes. But, but the issue is still... Um, that's why, you know, they felt like the new King James should come out and whatnot. But here's the issue. The issue is translators make decisions. Okay? They make decisions. Now, I'm going to be the first one to say, I don't know why we have 500 million uh, English translations. That just blows my ever-loving mind. I can't figure that. If you're going to have that many blooming translations, then you might as well be reading Greek and Hebrew. Because, good grief, um, because at some point, in the recesses of my brain, and this, and, and you're talking, you're, I've, I've been in Christian retail, okay? I've been in Christian retail. I've, I've worked in Christian bookstores. And i got to tell you something, and this is a, this is a, uh, here's a little secret for me to you. Christian retailers want to make money. Can you believe that? They want to make money. Christian retailer. Now, and I'm not, I don't want to go off on a tangent, but, but let me just say, the, the Christian retail is that the retailers are selling Christian stuff. doesn't necessarily mean the retailers are Christians, although you would hope that would be the case. But it's retailers selling Christian stuff. So the issue is, they want to make money. So... Um, publishing companies are going to crank out uh, as many Bibles as they believe can. And I'm telling you, I don't see the need. I mean, I just blooming don't see it. I mean, uh, you know, there's a version for just about every little ism, wasm, and phelum that you can possibly imagine. I just, I, and I've compared some, and I'm like, whoa. So anyway, here's the thing. A lot of people use John 3.16 as a litmus test, and they use the word begotten. Why is that? Now, it's because that designates the one, one, and only Son. And by the way, John 3.16, in that passage, Jesus is talking. So it's Jesus saying this verse. It's Him. That means he's designating. Now, begotten, if you look it up, is the Greek word monogenes. Okay? Monogenes. Mono, meaning one. Genus, meaning like genes, like gene genealogy. You know, meaning progeny or lineage or what have you. One son, though, is the issue. Now, just to give you an idea, 
um, there are many translations that use the word begotten. And begotten is a antiquated word, to be honest. But they feel like if they don't, they, you know, it's going to be, you know, somebody's going to just, just nuke them. Um, for example, the, uh, I'm looking here at the literal standard version. It's got, uh, uh, he gave the only begotten son. Okay, so now we're looking at the New English translation, and it says he gave his one and only son. Okay, now that's a different way of, of translating the word monogenous. All right. Uh, revised version. You're looking at that one. It says he gave his only begotten son. You got the critical English New Testament. That one says he gave his one and only. Again, monogenous, one and only. Okay. You can argue back and forth on that, but I'm just saying. The uh, Tree of Life version. Uh, he gave his one and only son, and I mean, I could just keep on going. Um, so if you're just really looking for that one version that has the word begotten, you can find it. It's not that hard. Uh, here's one, uh, the scriptures, 2009. And this one is, says he gave his one and, excuse me, he gave his only brought forth son. Okay. Now, the issue is the designation of Jesus. And, and, and I get that. And I'm absolutely not de-emphasizing that. That is massive. But here's the issue. Um, and this is what I would like to say. If you're going to go into the weeds... All right. Then let me say some let me let me make these comments because believe me when you when you jump off into into textual criticism which is really where you're going there's a lot of bears in there and there's a lot of people that know a lot of halfway information and and it's can get really crazy. Um, first of all, I don't think there's a perfect English translation. Period. Um, now, uh, that may sound just crazy. There's probably some KJV people spitting blood right now. But I'm, I'm saying... Um, the complication you're dealing with is is language. Greek and Hebrew do not perfectly translate into English. You that's why I absolutely beg people to do Bible study to get into the word and look up this stuff in the original languages. Learn the original languages. They're beautiful. They're awesome. I really and they're not as hard as people literally think they are. The phrase used to be, oh, it's Greek to me. Well, it's Greek to you because you don't want to learn it. But here's the thing. Um, if you really are going to get that crazy, okay, I mean, you're going to get, I mean, you're saying, okay, that super matters to you. That's fantastic. Run with that but go to the original text. Start looking at the Greek and the Hebrew. Start learning that stuff. 
Even a little dash of Aramaic wouldn't hurt. But believe me when I tell you that there are professors out there that have studied Greek and Hebrew all their lives, okay, that do not believe the Bible is the Word of God. So just because you get Greek and Hebrew going doesn't mean that everything is going to be hunky-dory because believe me, if you, if you go in that direction, it gets a little bit more complicated. Now, from this perspective, and I've mentioned this in prior podcasts, one reason the translations we have are the way they are is because uh, of something they call uh, that tra well translators obviously the translators have to deal with something called textual criticism and textual criticism is basically is this the best version of this why why do we have to ask that question because there are over five thousand manuscripts of uh, of the, just the Greek New Testament in various forms I mean that's a lot um, and even though people don't don't go this direction, but uh, we need to understand that we borrow and affirm a lot of the Old Testament through Jewish sources because they were really good at copying stuff. Um, they were really really good at it. Not perfect, but but man, they were good, and so. Um, when you look at some of the uh, the Hebrew translations of the Old Testament, you're going into Jewish sources. You're also going into, uh, there's a Greek source, the Septuagint. That's The Septuagint is the Greek Old Testament, and that's the one Paul used in to quote from the Bible in the New Testament. But here's the, here's the thing. In general, in general, uh, one rule that goes along and and is and and by the way, when when things are missing from translations, okay, this is you're 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 going to find one of, of a few things, okay. There are translations that, uh, well, I'm sorry, I'm getting ahead of myself. So, um, the reason passages get removed from the Bible, or there are translations that don't have them. Uh, are because some of the older manuscripts may not have them in them. And you're looking at the Alexandria's uh, Codex, you're looking at the Satakamis Codex, but there are some Byzantine uh, sources that are just super good. And by the way, there's um, uh, the issue, I think, there's uh, some people who have looked at this, and, and let me just say this first. In general, or at least the way it used to be, the older the manuscript, the more reliable people believed it is. Why is that? Because we have copies. We don't have originals. Nobody's running around somewhere with the original uh, version that Moses wrote of the five books of Moses. I mean, nobody's running around with a, with a, with the handwritten copy that came out of Paul. It ain't happening. Those are all copies. Now, the general thought is the closer you get to the uh, to the oldest copy, 
the closer, and they date these things, and so the closer you get to 2, you know, 6 BC, um, the older you, you know, the closer you get, the better or the, the, few, the, the fewer opportunities the, the scribal copyist had to make errors and mess up the copies. Okay? So they believe that they're more accurate. The older manuscripts are seen as being more accurate because they're older and closer to the original. And there were less time to have scribal errors and all this fun stuff. So, there are people, and, and I believe they have some good, you know, uh, validation behind them, that don't believe that completely. Okay? Um, now, that being said, let me, uh, let me just say that since the older manuscripts are deemed as uh, being more correct because they're closer to the original, then anything that pops up that's not in one of the older manuscripts, people are saying, ah, there you go. That was probably added. Okay? That was probably added. So, at that point... The people that are putting the, the, um, the translation together can do one of three things. They can either just leave it out and just print what they, what they got, okay? Or they can leave it out and put a little note, you know, with a caption. Or they can leave it in there and put brackets around it and, so, and put a little footnote on that. In fact, there's actually a fourth, and the fourth one is they can just print it all, which is pretty much what the KJV people did. And uh, there's some questions about, oh, well, they didn't have the most updated manuscripts, and we got better manuscripts now, and blah, 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 blah. And, and the KJ people have a very good defense against, you know, with that, against that. But I'm telling you, I'm totally not jumping off into that. But the issue is this. What I like, personally, and this is just me, is I don't want anybody taking it out. I don't want anybody removing the passages. I do appreciate the knowledge that it's not in some of the older manuscripts. Because then at, at that point, I get to decide, do I really care? Because, uh, you know, now, people who are in the scribal areas, uh, you know, the academics would go, would just, just go be aghast. What do you mean you don't care? That's, you know, that's crazy. But guess what? Um, ultimately, since uh, evangelical believers believe that they are, uh, uh, we are a uh, a priesthood, okay, with Jesus as the high priest, we are the captains of our soul. We answer to God directly through Jesus. You you stand before God alone then in that particular situation, uh, I get to decide if uh, that matters to me. So I want it in there. I want, to, I want it in there, and I want to read it. 
and I do appreciate the caption. I appreciate being told it's not in this manuscript, it's not in this manuscript. That way, if I really want to get jiggy with it, I can get in there and uh, I can dig those, you know, the manuscripts up. And I can have a look, and I can cross-reference, and I can get really all kinds of crazy on it. Um, and if I really get bananas, I can go and get me a PhD and uh, in Greek and Hebrew and just, just jump off into, into that uh, full blast. But here's the issue. I want it in there. I don't want it removed. So, uh, you know, personally, having going back to what we were talking about, about the word begotten, um, since the, uh, to be quite honest, the, uh, the Strongs will tell you that the meaning of monogenes is only born, that is, soul only, then a translation that that says his only brought forth son, his one and only son, I don't think is too far off. But if it just says his son and doesn't designate monogenes in there and skips right past it, I think that doesn't sound really, really, uh, very, uh, well, that just sounds no bueno. So the issue is, think about, think about what you're reading, all right? Think about where you're taking your information from. Now, I like and use several different translations, but the one that I, that just grabs my heart of hearts. Uh, of course, outside of the KJV is the NASB. Um, and I'm not going to go into, there's several different versions of that too. You got 1977, 1995, the 2000, blah, 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 blah. But, um, and, uh, and for those of you that will point out, yeah, but it's got stuff missing too. Yeah. However, comma. Um, I also get in my other translations, okay? And believe me when I tell you that one translation that I try to look at very often is the KJV because it is a very literal translation and it does have everything in there. So, that being the case, my greatest fear is not this, is not that people are going to go into translation lock. My greatest fear is that people aren't going to bloom and care because they're not reading the Bible anyway. Because because they're doing newspaper Christianity. And, uh, you know, well, how do I feel today about God? That kind of thing. Instead of getting in His Word and letting Him tell you how He would like us to feel about Him. If... Uh, whatever version of belief you use doesn't include the Word of God, you need to ask yourself if you got the Spirit in you, because the Spirit will draw you to the Word. They used to say, and I believe this, that the Word will keep you from sin, or sin will keep you from the Word. And I like the or in the middle of there. 
And the reason I say that is because if you're not in the Word, it's, sin's going to just come and get you. But if you are in the Word, you have a defense. You're, I mean, literally, uh, if you're not reading the Word of God every day in some form, fashion, you're running out without armor. I mean, you're just running out in a firefight out there in that in the world, and you will take damage, mental, emotional damage. You will take damage if you have the Word with you. The Spirit can use that Word and heal and protect the only thing God can't do anything with is nothing if we give God nothing he can't do anything with that but God created stuff out of nothing well that's very true yes indeed but God needs volition he needs our our participation if you don't participate with God he can't work with you because God is not going to circumvent your free choice. It's not going to do it. So, with that in mind, I want to encourage you to keep on keeping on. Don't get in the weeds. But read and study the Word and find out and, 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 and get curious about this stuff. And dig. But not just about that. Just read it entirely. I guarantee you, you, if you're a believer in Jesus, you will not be sorry you did. Thank you for listening to this edition of Speak It On. And as always, don't be afraid to speak the word in boldness and truth. And may God bless all of your efforts.